Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 16. And today is a bonus episode of Binary System. It's Binary System Spoils All the Things. So needless to say, spoiler warning. Yes, big spoiler warnings for two particular things. The Walking Dead and the Night Vale novel. So if you are not caught up on either of those two things, you are more than welcome to skip this podcast. We promise our feelings will not be hurt. Right. But I think it is kind of ironic that we're doing a spoiler warning episode for Walking Dead, and we're not going to know what's going on on tonight's episode. So everyone, you know, who's caught up on Walking Dead will probably know more when you hear this than we do. when it airs yes. on Thursday. Time is weird, Time you know? Is weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, as of recording, we got to see the Morgan episode last week. Um, we still don't know what happened to a certain character, but you know what? This is a spoiler episode, so let's just say it. We don't know what has happened to Glenn, not for sure. And boy, there are a lot of theories going on around there, aren't yeah. there? Oh my god. Yeah, you can look at people who have broken down the entire episode. They show that there is a space for Glenn to have escaped, I believe, under the dumpster. I think that's what and it is. And there's some idea that the blood and guts that you saw coming up were actually coming from like two inches over his chest, or they were coming yes. out of the area where his chest is, which is not where intestines are. (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly. And then other people have said that there's, he's been seen uh, filming scenes on set, like future episodes. And some people are like, oh, it's they're just going to be flashback episodes. And other people are saying no, because he's been seen with actors that we haven't met yet on the show. And um, basically, nobody wants Glenn to be dead, obviously. And everybody's coming up with a lot of reasons. Uh, We did. Now, this is one thing I can't confirm, but the internet was losing their minds over it a couple days ago. They say that Glenn's name, the actor, who I cannot remember his name. You? Is it something you? I can't remember. I feel bad. bad. I'm a bad bad fan. fan. Yeah. That his name has been removed from the opening credits. (sighs) I think I saw that on last week's episode, which is also good, but we'll get to that uh, later. I mean, the episode was good, not Glenn not being on there. But yeah, his name was apparently not in last week's opening credits, which makes me... right rather worried but i think the best argument that i've heard anyone make for him not being dead is that all of the times that they have killed major characters like major major characters it happens at the end of the episode and you don't have major parts of the storyline going on after that so with glenn there was stuff going on after the end of that episode most especially rick i think who we're still wondering yeah. at the time of recording if he's been bitten uh, or not so yeah exactly well i don't think he's been well i don't know that he's been bitten but they are paying particular attention to his hand and considering the fact that he doesn't have a hand in the comic book it's possible that he might lose that hand and my coworker ben's like Oh, yeah, but then they're going to have to digitally edit out the hand all the time. I'm like, well, they did it with Herschel's leg. So it's not like they haven't done it before. They did. But that also that also makes me uncomfortable because, you know, oh, yeah, Rick will have to lose a hand because he's lost a hand in a comic book, which is also where Glenn is dead. Yes, exactly. And also another reason people are pointing that out. And one of the best things that I've heard as a reason for why he's not actually dead. You know, Chris Hardwick does The Talking Dead, and it's I believe it's the In Memoriam. It's the segment of the show when a character dies, he brings the actor on the show to talk about their experience. And it's always, you know, Talking Dead comes on 
right after The Walking Dead, so it's safe to bring the actor on and talk about, you know, what was it like and how do you feel being dead now? They have not brought Glenn onto the show. They just didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a good sign that he's not actually dead, I think. Yeah, yeah. I hope that they're not just waiting until everybody else finds out that he's dead, all the other characters, yeah. and then they do the in memoriam. But no, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't seen The Talking Dead either. I think I kind of, do they have the episodes aired anywhere or saved anywhere online, anything like that? Because since I watch all of this on Netflix most of the time, I don't yeah. get to see that. Yeah, that's right. And now you are totally caught up now on the series. And we were having a conversation last week, which we should have actually waited for this podcast, but we couldn't. We were talking about various things over the course of the season and you having watched everything from June until now, so mm -hmm. a very short period of time, you brought up a lot of things. And one thing you brought up was, it is interesting, if you've got a character that gets swarmed by the walkers, they've been taken down, it is impossible to save them, and they are being slowly eaten. Have they ever just shot the guy? Have they ever? I don't, to put him out of his misery, to give him a quick and cleaner death, and that happened in the episode with Glenn, the guy who was trying to get back home to his wife, he gets slowly, terribly eaten, and they're standing right there looking at him, they do have guns, I'm like, but you don't want to just use one of those bullets to put the guy out of his misery? Just one? As far as I know, the only time they've ever done a mercy killing that I'm thinking of right now, before they've actually started turning into a zombie, was, um, oh my goodness. And now his name's gone completely out of my head. He was the older dude from the first couple of seasons who get his oh, insides him. ripped out. Yeah. Yes, I don't even remember his name. The guy with the RV. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, you know, he got his insides ripped out by zombies, and there was nothing they could do. So Daryl had to shoot him in the head. They yeah. don't do that for anybody else. And I don't know why. And I'm almost wondering, is it something that the show's creators are trying to say? It's the idea that you don't ever want to turn these people into people who will kill their own friends and relatives like that, which is weird because we're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. It's happening all the time. Oh, you know, yeah, whether definitely. or not whether or not you're killing them as a zombie or as a person, you're still kind of killing a human being. And the idea yeah. of somebody that it being worse to put someone out of their misery than it is to watch them die like that. Oh, God. Just I have to tell you, I, my instinct every time it happens, every time somebody is slowly being killed, my instinct is always like, if I was there and I had a gun, I would shoot them. Because it just, they do such a great job of making it look so horrifically awful. Of course, I guess there wasn't anything to do about Noah <laughs> the, re the revolving door scene, which now that yeah. you've seen it, oh my that's, god, that's the worst death on the entire show. It, it really, really is. Really it, is. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it was when you told me that it matched up with the well zombie sort of thing. Yeah. So silly me, I thought it was just going to be gruesome. I mm. didn't realize it was going to be gruesome and heartbreaking. Yeah, that was definitely. <sighs> Honestly, the well zombie that one's gruesome because it's one of the most like just really meticulously awful special effects they've ever done. Which if you're listening to this podcast and you don't watch The Walking Dead, uh, you don't plan to because you're listening to a spoiler episode, you know, they, they pull this zombie that's been in a well for God only knows how long. It's completely bloated. Tissues are all swollen. They're trying to get it out so that they can possibly save the well. And the thing is, it doesn't have any structural integrity left. So as they're lifting it out, the bottom half drops off and it just... 
guts well, it's, everywhere. It's not, even, it's not even that. It's that they get it halfway out of yes. the well and it catches on the lip and yeah. they're still trying to pull. And as soon as they start pulling when it's caught, I'm like, I know, I know what's coming. I know why Elizabeth didn't like the scene at all. Yeah, yep. And he just tears apart and slops its way back down <gasps> into the well. And then afterwards, everyone's like, because the reason why they wanted to get this out of the well, because it is drinking water and they yeah. didn't think that it was a good idea to have something like this in water that you would want to drink. But you know, of course, so, you know, after that, oh, I guess we're going to have to fill in this well. And that was when I was thinking, now, wait a minute. Yeah. You've got zombies that have been dying all over the place. Yes. And this thing, if it's been in the water, I'm sorry, torn apart or not, whatever is activating these zombies has got to be in the water now. So why isn't this contagious? Why aren't people going around with gloves on and masks and everything and trying not to get infected? And I told that to Elizabeth when she was caught up and I'd only watched up to like, you know, first two seasons. And she said, there's going to be some new information coming yep. along. And yep. that's when you find out everybody's infected. And what I want to know is how long has everybody been everyone been infected right I mean, is exactly. this something that as soon as whatever it was that started animating zombies happened everybody sort of breathed it in or was it one of these things where probably billions of people across the planet have died and turned into zombies and dropping pieces everywhere so did everyone just gradually become infected i always sort of figured it had to have been kind of instantaneous but it's funny how we always assume that it's airborne and i've been sort of wondering lately i'm like I don't know, it is all based on brain activity. You know, you die and then you come back and it's like basically, what is it? You're, you're, um, oh, uh, the word has gone out of my head. I'm not thinking clearly today. Just the, the brain stem or something. You're, um, the very base of your brain is the only thing that's alive anymore. And I'm like, what if it was some kind of like, mind control? I don't know. Some kind of thing, some kind of radioactive electrical pulse that got sent out that just affected everybody's brains on an electrical level. It's probably more likely that it's airborne. But still, I wonder about this. And I also wonder, we still don't know what's going on in other countries. We have absolutely no idea. That's very true. Yeah. And you have to wonder, because they still haven't, even in uh, Fear the Walking Dead, they did never come up with the reason for why this happened. No. They just showed people a little bit more close to the very beginning that obviously Rick Grimes was in a coma for the whole thing. Yep. So we never got to see any of that. Yep. But yep. I thought it was uh, that was interesting because most of the stuff that was going on in that, I mean, obviously the walkers, which is terrifying, but it's really about people on people violence. You know, there's a scene where the family's in L.A. and they're on the streets and they're trying to get away and they're they're in fear for their life and they hide in this barber shop. They weren't really hiding from walkers. It was Los Angeles in a very chaotic time. They were hiding from a riot. And that's something that could happen today. You know, it was very. I, I think that was. Yeah, that was something because I watched a little bit of that when we were on vacation. I think it was episode two or something. And. It wasn't, I mean, in a lot of these cases, it's not just, you know, the average citizens, it's the police. I mean, you saw Shane, that flashback in uh, The Walking Dead with Shane, desperately trying to do something to hopefully see if he could save Rick or get him out of the hospital. And there were army people coming in and shooting people in the hospital, yeah, yeah. simply because someone had decided that these people were a vector of whatever contagion it was, and they were going to shoot all of them to try to slow down the vector. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, it's, it's kind of terrifying. I mean, I think that was what they were hiding from in that Fear the Walking Dead episode was the police were like shooting people yes. or, or, you know, 
I don't know, mowing people down. Yeah, there was definitely kind of, you know, very chaotic. definitely evidence of people being taken away for their own good, you know? And you're like, maybe they got infected and they died from the walker bite, or maybe they were just put down ahead of time. Preemptive strike, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I really do, I really want to know, like, how far is it spread? Is it airborne? If it's airborne, is it airborne over our country? Is it airborne over all countries? Uh, we, we have no, and that's... I think that's another thing that's fun about zombie apocalypse is, is once the communication's shut down, you can play with anything for any reason because nobody knows anything until they run across it. And that just makes it really fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of what we've been talking about reminded me, and the name has gone completely out of my head of the author, but the uh, collection of apocalypse short stories that I read, the the three collections yes. basically of apocalypse stories, had one that was all about the end of the world as zombies. And one of the concepts they had in there was reverse triage and triage when you're in an emergency room involves identifying people who are that you know that you can save because you know if you are if you have a massive amount of casualties coming in and you have to put people in triage and decide this person's going to die if we try to focus on them there's three other people who are possibly you know able to be saved who will die while we're wasting our time in the, in the zombie story, reverse triage was finding people who were anywhere near an infected area, who had been bitten, who had been near someone who had been bitten, oh. who had been anywhere in the general vicinity of a zombie, and tattooing a red X on their hand. Oh. That was reverse triage because it identified people as these ones are not savable, herd them into an area as fast as we can, herd them into you know, the edge of a cliff or oh. into a sea where there's no place for anyone to stand and they're all gradually getting pushed out into the uh, ocean. Oh and my it, God. It goes along with the idea on The Walking Dead of some of the things that happen are zombies, yes. Some of the things are people who have decided that they want to watch the world burn, like the people who apparently first attacked Terminus and turned yeah. them all into monsters. Yeah. And some of it is the horrible things that people do while they try to save the world yeah. or save the people close to them, which leads me to Carol. And yeah. I want to know when exactly did she become so ruthless? Because she wasn't always like this. No. And for a while, it was her being you know, abused, and she was obviously just staggering through life. And then she was trying to focus on saving her daughter. And then she was having to stagger around when that obviously didn't work. And boy, that was the scene where Sophie comes stumbling, the the zombie of Sophie comes stumbling out of the barn, that every now and then I'll be watching a TV show where I will actually be saying out loud, Oh, no, oh, no, (laughs) that was... Horrific. Oh, my goodness. But then, you know, and then she seems to like be bonding with Daryl and becoming motherly. And then there's a change where yeah. she becomes the I am going to do everything I can. And we see a glimpse of that when she's telling stories to the children when they're all, you know, in the hiding out in the prison, whatever. Yeah. And she po- has someone post a lookout. So when the rest of the grownups are gone, she can bring out the weapons and start teaching the children how to stab people to death and how to protect themselves. And she's doing it without the parents' knowledge, which is pretty ruthless when you think about it, making that decision for someone else's child. So we have... We have her losing her daughter and that horrific scene. So that's a change right there. I mean, you have to admit that's going to be a change. But even though she's bonding with Daryl in the prison, by that point, she was already teaching the kids about the weapons. I mean, whatever happened had happened. I, I tend to think that it was losing her daughter that did it. 
And it's just really progressed further and further because, you know, she's teaching the kids about weapons. She's telling Lizzie that, you know, you're weak and you're not going to be able to handle anything. She's being real brutal with her. And then, of course, you know, we have uh, Lizzie. Now, Lizzie didn't kill the infected people. That really was Carol. But did Lizzie have something to do with it? I can't remember. Uh, she was feeding the zombies. She okay. was taking rats out to the fence. I remember uh, fence. that. But I, I had always, you know, to this day, it still bugs me because I know Carol says that she was going to kill the infected people and burned them. She had to do it. They were the, the flu was going around and people were dying and, of course, coming back as walkers. And so it was pretty terrifying. And she says, yes, she did it. And she killed them and then she burned the bodies and she did it to save everybody. To this day, I feel like there's a piece of information we're missing because I really thought it was Lizzie and that Carol is all about protecting a child so that she took the hit for it. But then we do see a glimpse of a body being dragged away. And Lizzie couldn't have dragged those bodies by herself. And as much no, as, as no. ruthless and scary as hell as that kid is, um, I don't think she would have been able to burn them as much as she did. But, you know... Unless Lizzie stabbed them and Carol found it and dragged them out and burned the bodies. Honestly, that that is that is potential. I would think that is. But you know what? I do know that you know we saw her protecting the kids, and I would have believed that she was protecting Lizzie above all things. But then we get into the city that they're in right now, the little town, and Carol is crazy weird with the whole like homemaker routine and then turning around and going, would you like some cookies? You know, did you hear that's what she did at Comic-Con? The actress got up at the panel. She walked out on the stage with a plate of cookies and asked if anybody wanted some. (laughs) Just really awesome. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the Susie homemaker thing was even more disturbing, I think, than stabbing people. Exactly. Because you just know that that's under the surface with this, you know. But then she's so threatening to that kid, basically, you know, because the kids kind of caught her doing something that she shouldn't be doing. And I don't think she knows how much he knows or how much he understands. And so she's just like, I'm going to give you cookies, but here's what, you know, you're going to do exactly what I say and you're not going to tell anybody, or I'm going to kill you and do horrible things to you and your family. So would you still like some cookies? So we saw her before always being very protective of children, of her daughter and teaching the kids and always thinking and taking care of Lizzie and Lizzie's sister and and, uh, Judith and all that kind of stuff. But then as soon as she had, look at the flowers, from that point on, even kids aren't safe if she thinks that it's a threat to her and her family. And that's, I thought that is at least one transition that we can totally identify. That's when that happened. And the only thing I could think that maybe sparked one of the deeper transformations was the fact that, of course, they're in the prison when they first got there and they think they're safe. And then it turns out that one of the convicts had actually snuck inside and turned on the alarm to draw these zombies in to try to kill everybody. Uh, that was when she and was it T Dog? I think uh, so. Or um, he? I don't remember. Yeah, he was. He was the one that you know dropped the key when they were trying to let Merle go and had to leave him chained. I up think that a, was T. Uh, I think it was T Dog. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Carol and T Dog are in the hallways down in the the. Uh, the basement or whatever of the prison they're surrounded by walkers and t-dog has already been bitten in the neck and he throws himself at the zombies and is screaming at carol to run and she has to run and she manages to get herself locked in a boiler room and stays there for like three days yeah and then and then then daryl rescues her which i was like daryl finds her and he carries her out there yes that's so many daryl moments when i go it's daryl yay daryl come to save the day uh so and it was after that that she 
started teaching the kids how to use knives without asking the parents' permission first. Yeah, yeah. So she may have gone through some kind of... I get the idea we're going to hear some more about Carol and so. this transformation yeah. of her because now she's playing against Morgan, yeah. who went through his own transformation. Oh my God. Let me tell you right now. Not killing anybody. And it's yeah. like, oh, wow. I was not. I mean, I like Morgan and everything. I really like that episode where he and Rick um, and Carl found him and Michonne found him in the the town and he was crazy with the booby traps all over. And um, I, I liked that. And that the, the strange phrases painted on. Oh walls. yeah. All, all that. I really like that. But I, he, then we see him again and I really, I admired his stance at not killing people, but I didn't understand it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think we live in that world anymore. That episode with Morgan was the best explanation for why he is how he is. Not just why he is, but why Eastman was the way he was. I mean, the stories like Eastman's like, no, I, I decided not to do that. And then he tells about the one evil person that he's ever met. And then he tells about what the evil person does to his family. And then, you know, and then the plan he had for it. And then he's like, no, I didn't want to. And then, and then to see that grave marker in the end with the guy's name on just, just <sighs> got me where you live. And the fact that he was telling Morgan, he's like, and it didn't help. And I'm like, this is not a guy who took a stance against not killing people. He didn't take it out of some intellectual, high-minded kind of, I arrived at a logical solution. He knows from experience that it doesn't help. And I'm like, best explanation ever. Really, really and just awesome. that, I mean, when he talked about his whole plan about finding out where the convict was doing the... I don't know, flower planting, whatever that they, oh, yeah. you know, he talked his way into being able to do and, you know, the going out to get him and then dragging him back to the cabin. And he said, if I'd been caught, it would have been fine. And he gets this exhausted look. It would have been better. Yeah, Just, yeah. I mean, the idea that he actually not only is killing the absolute worst person on the planet, not helpful, yeah. but it was actually worse yeah. than how he felt about the whole yeah. thing before. Oh, when he just, said 47 days for him to die, I just, I can't even... Ugh. And and that was something that I thought about afterwards. Okay, he, I was thinking to myself, did the guy say anything? Did he try to apologize? You know, any of this stuff? And he doesn't say anything. No. He just says 47 days to die. Yeah. And then when it's his turn, when he has to shoot himself, yeah. he just says, okay, well, there's a gun out back. I'm going to go ahead and, and take care of this. And we didn't see it. And we don't, we don't see, see it. No, and we don't, I don't think that he asked Morgan to do it. No. Because I think he would have wanted Morgan to be able to stick with that idea of not killing. Yeah, I think so. And he wouldn't make his last action to take out Morgan. So, and I thought about that. And the only thing I think was because those scenes wouldn't have added anything. No. You know, what, what the guy went through, if he had apologized or he wouldn't have apologized, it wouldn't have made a darn bit of no. difference. The guy was crazy. You couldn't think that he would actually mean anything. It would all have been him trying to finagle his way into some other way of getting on top. Yeah. And so, also it would have, yeah. so they just left hearing it more about him. I kind of, the, the way we heard about him now, this terrible, horrible killer and everything, there is like a remove and what we imagine about him is probably worse than anything else we could possibly know. And that's how the show is good that way sometimes, that they they do they do let you use your imagination to imagine the worst. And just imagining what that horrific 47 days must have been like and knowing that it didn't help and that it wasn't satisfying. I mean, not everybody gets a decent death scene. It's not like in a disaster movie where the worst possible character gets just enough time to apologize and realize how horrible they are and then they die a messy death. No, no, he probably was, it was awful and ugly and human and, you know, whatever. And so 
We didn't need to see it. We didn't need to see Eastman die. Um, I totally get why Morgan is the way he is now. And it's just, it's really... It really makes me want to go out and learn Aikido. It does too. And uh, one of my coworkers, we were talking about that. And um, I can't even remember half the things. Uh, my coworker, Ben, great guy, very much into a lot of different martial arts, but he won't talk about it unless you ask him about it. He's not one of those people like, oh, well, you know, I'm into martial arts and everything. No, he, he'll tell you. <laughs> but yeah, Aikido, it's, it's all very true. It's all about redirection. And I asked him if there was any other form of martial arts that was so much into not killing. He said, mm, jujitsu is all about submission. And that's why you see a lot of people in those ultimate fighting um, shows and everything, that they're jujitsu experts. Because, you know, I know it's ultimate fighting, but we don't want to kill anybody. So it's all about submission. Or maim them for life. Right, exactly. But Ben was telling me that when it comes to jujitsu, it's like, he said he's taken like bouts with people before and they just get onto you. You have like one hand free that they could possibly get a hold of. And the next thing you know, you're in this vice and then you're out. You've just literally been choked out and you come to and you're like, oh, wow, that was fast. So, you know, that's just, I thought that was, that's apropos of nothing. I thought that was interesting. Yep. Oh, so yeah, it makes me want to learn Aikido. Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, there was some of the fighting and the way people deal with the walkers and this just occurred to me, and I talked with some of my coworkers about this the other day. Why the heck doesn't anyone armor their forearms? Yes, that's we were at, you were talking about that last week. Yes, if you don't want to go out in the full SWAT gear with the helmet and all that stuff, fine. But when you've got a walker that's coming after you, trying to bite your face off, yeah. the first thing you want to do is push them away. And sometimes you can only get a forearm in between you and their mouth. Yeah, yeah. And that's so just, I mean, some kind of plating on the arm or even, you know, thick leather padding, something, something. that they wouldn't be able to chew through as fast. And honestly, I mean, you're right that you'd want it on your forearms because that's what's most likely going to get close to them. But I would also want to have something on my neck because the number of times a zombie gets you right there where your shoulder joins your neck and everything, I'm like, Ugh, just thinking about it makes me feel all vulnerable right in that area. I'm like, you know, let's... Yeah, and it, we, we've already seen with extremities that if you get bitten on the leg... You do have a brief window of opportunity yeah. where you could chop the leg off, yeah. but you've also seen people that get bit on the back or yeah. on the neck where there's nothing you could amputate to actually save their nope. life. Nope. It's all, it's all done. It is interesting, though, just to talk about the episode. Of course, we had the episode with Glenn, and we have no idea what's going to happen. And then the very next episode, I thought... I honestly thought people were being a little naive to think that it was going to get resolved the next week. I'm like, no, no, this is The Walking Dead. They're going to stretch this out. And I was and I was right. It's a Morgan episode. I don't think that the episode that's going to come out tonight is going to tell us either. I think we've still got, um, apparently, uh, one of my other coworkers had heard that uh, the woman that be- that Rick was interested in, in, uh, in the town, that it's going to be yeah. something more from her point of view. Um, so I don't know that we're going to find anything out there either, but... It's funny that after the Morgan episode aired, I saw one person on Twitter say, the only way The Walking Dead could have trolled us any harder is if we had a 90-minute episode on the origin story of Father Gabriel. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's that true. Is true. At that least is true. they didn't do that. But No, no. And it was a good story. I I was a little irritated, too, because I'm like, I know they're not going to give it to us, but, oh, Morgan, fine. This, I had no idea. And, you know, okay, so... You, how much have you watched? You've seen the Coven uh, series uh, season of American Horror Story. I have. Have yep. you? Have, and you've started Freak Show. Yep, uh, at least three episodes, I think. Have you seen the character Twisty the Clown? Yes, with the teeth. 
You know who that is? It's the guy who played uh, Eastman. Eastman, I know. I was just, I was so <laughs> couldn't couldn't see that at all. That was very I nice. Yeah, well, he's getting for a good reason. He, yeah, he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of work apparently, and people are recognizing him. So I feel like I saw him on a Star Trek episode at one point. I need to look that up. Yeah, I will be looking that up. I think he's. I think there have been more than one person saying uh, Emmy for that particular yeah. walk yeah. Uh, Walking Dead episode. I mean, yeah. it was very impressive. Well, we don't want the episode to go on too long, but we do want to spoil one more thing, and that is the Night Vale novel, which we have both finished reading now. Catherine has a review that has been posted on pixelatedgeek.com, and I believe we've put that up in our social medias as well. Um, I just, it, it really is like a podcast in book form. I mean, and we didn't get the one with Cecil reading it out loud, which I may do, but I just, I, you just devour the book. It's just so good and so easy to read. And I hadn't realized it for the first few chapters, but they would break into different segments of Cecil's radio show, basically. Yes. And it would usually cut into the middle of something where he would be talking about something that would be never to be explained, some bizarre yes. thing, a horrible warning of things to come that we missed because it was in the middle of a chapter segment, whatever. Yes, yes. But it was an entire episode all, yeah. all the different little segments and ends with good night, Vale, good night, night, Vale, good night. And that yes. was perfect. Just the way it so ended the entire story. So many lovely bits. I'm just going to open up the book real quick because I have it in front of me because I, I put little markers in. So there's a couple bits I want to talk about. <laughs> so you've got Jackie and Diane are going to head out of town to try and find King City. And they don't have any transportation, but there is a Mercedes up on one of the pawn shop shelves, which a regular sized Mercedes. They have no idea how it got up there and they have no idea how to get it down. And it's like balanced on its edge and everything. And they kind of like blink and it's outside. And they're like, how did that happen? And it's just, it's so Nightville. They're like, uh, I don't know. I guess we're pretty good. Um, I guess I got it down the same way I put it up there. Oh, I hope I helped you. Well, I think that's awfully nice of you. And I thought that was very sweet. And they get in the car and they drive away. And as they drive away, three of the angels come out from behind the pawn shop and they look tired and sweaty and they've got black grease all over their hands. I'm like, ah, oh, the angels ah. moved the car. <laughs> the angels played a very fun part of that whole thing. But I loved the segment with uh, old woman Josie where she's scolding the dirt covered cloth wrapped package that she had brought in and put on her countertop. And at one point it starts levitating and she slaps it. She's like freaking ungrateful. Like, And you don't get an explanation of what that no. is unless no, no, it's one of the... Is it one of the flamingos, perhaps? It is possible. I'm not sure. I think you might be right. I guess we didn't get an explanation for that. Uh, Though we did find out that the flamingos were actually what Carlos used at the end of the episode, you know, where I don't need to tell you about what happened about the events of the last few weeks because you already know. And then Carlos has sort of saved the day, which really that episode did happen before the end of the book. So that was an interesting way to sort of time it out. But Carlos gave each of the baristas a flamingo because the baristas were all Troy. Right. So yep. That's, and yeah, uh, that's... the flamingos dragged people out of their place in time and space or unhinged them from time and yes. space, which ended up turning each one of the Troys that got handed one of the flamingos into his own person and his own reality rather than yeah. one part of one person in this reality. So that yeah. was, yeah, time is weird. Yes, time is weird. Now, this is one I want to read this out loud, though I'm sure... 
If you get the audiobook, Cecil will read this and it will be much, much better. But of course, we got a word from our sponsor in the book and it is just stands out as a gem in this book. Uh, more news next, but first, a brief word from our sponsors. Pepsi, a refreshing drink, a soft tone playing when you wake up, but it, then it is gone and you don't know if you dreamed it. A hallway glimped in the backs of your refrigerator, but when you look again, it is gone. The recurring feeling that your shower is losing faith in you. Desperation, hunger, starving, not literally, but still. The hallway again, lined with doors that you know you can open. Your fridge is empty. You haven't left your home in days, and yet you come and go. This isn't food. What are you eating? Pepsi. Drink Coke. <laughs> I love it. I just adore it. And there's so much like that in there. It just, just, it amazed me that the translation from audio to the printed page works, worked yeah. as well as it did, that it yeah, really yeah. does feel like the actual podcast, only more of it from more people's point of view and getting to see more of Night Vale than what you actually get to see through Cecil's broadcasts. Oh, and it's speaking of more of Night Vale, we made a brief mention of this. I can't even read all the bits that I loved about this because it would take up a whole nother podcast. The library. Yes. The library was so some of the best descriptions I have ever read. So creepy and awesome and wonderful and just a little bit funny in places, you know? Yeah. Just and just really... the, uh, the whole idea about these sunlit sections of the library and a beautiful reading nook that even the stupidest person would know it's a trap set up by the librarians to look really appealing because if you walked in there, you wouldn't be able to get five paces before a librarian would be on top of you. So God, and then Diane sees a librarian full on at one point, just completely and knows now exactly what a librarian looks like and the book was saying you know she'll remember this always she will wake up in the middle of the night and remember it she will remember it until the day she dies she thinks about it on the day she dies and thinks oh well at least i won't have to remember that again it is a happy thought and she died smiling and i'm like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> just just and you had no idea who was going to make it and who wasn't you know you never really had any clue Exactly. And I don't want to spoil every everything about it. We're spoiling a heck of a lot, but I don't want to spoil the actual ending. But um, amazing. You know, speaking of Night Vale as we are, I did get to go see the live show this week. It was The Investigators, the show that yep. you've already seen. Oh, yes. I, I was very, and I brought my friend Jada with me, and she has never listened to a single episode, and she loved it. She thought it was great. <sighs> now, did they have, who did they have as the intern? The, they had a brand new intern come in. Um, I don't remember. Honestly, off the top of my head, um, I, that's a good question. I don't, I'm sure they did. Deb, the sentient patch of haze was there. Carlos was there. Now, the weather for the live show, I really liked. It's Eliza Rickman. And she does a song called Pretty Little Head, uh, Dirty Mind, Dirty Mouth, Pretty Little Head. And I actually don't really think that much of that one. It's kind of a little, little weird, whatever. She's got almost like a I'm going to say yodeling, and you're going to think I'm being insulting, but it's just, you know, just <laughs> this kind of cool little thing that she does during the chorus. But the very first song she did in San Diego, you know, she's playing on, I don't know, I don't think it's a zither. It might be some kind of, you know, it's a, it's a very multiple stringed instrument on a large board. So I, I don't know what they call that, but uh, she was playing that. But she also had next to her this little thing. It's a very neat song. It's very ethereal, very pretty. And she gets to the end. And she takes this little device and it's a little music box thing and she cranks it and she just cranks it very slowly and that finishes out the song. Same key, same tune and everything, just kind of changed a little bit with just this wonderful little ending. And I just, 
I was just flabbergasted. I thought it was just, and it wouldn't have been the same if you listened to it. Watching it happen live on stage was very cool. I really liked it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. But I did like about the investigators how, what is it, Cecil's always saying, murder mystery dinner theater. And then he kept on getting it shorter and shorter. He kept on like sort of short murder mystery dinner theater or whatever. And then it just got towards the end. It was like, and because you know, there's a, and then he goes on from there. <laughs> just, it's really hilarious. And, and Dylan Marin just gets the most giant applause whenever he walks on stage. Everyone well, I mean, him. he's a, Adorable. Yes. I mean, he is one of the few people on the cast who looks exactly the way I uh, pictured him looking. I mean, I, just that adorable from his voice. But I, I when we saw uh, the production in Chapel Hill, I think one of my favorite bits was uh, Deb the Sentient Patch of Hayes uh, advertising for Dasani brand water. Yes, you know, yes. that was a uh, that yes. was very good. But also they killed an intern right on stage. So and they killed him by him just basically going ah. And then he turns around and he walks off the stage. I that they did not do that in this show. That's why I was trying. I was racking my brain to think. I'm like, I don't think we had an intern on this one. So that's this, yeah. the live shows do change over time. You know, they definitely the librarian one that I saw was completely different from the one we listened to together because they changed it for the story that was currently happening. So I thought that was neat. And too. I think that's great that they do that. That it's yeah. always in yeah. transition and they always want to make sure that it's current. So yeah. what you hear is based on the information you currently have from the podcast yeah yeah good stuff very good well if you guys like a spoiler episode you'll have to chime in and let us know we don't do a lot of them because we uh we don't want to give it away we want to tell you about awesome things that we've been watching and we want you to watch it and you're less likely to do that if we tell you how it ends but with the walking dead man it's just it's been so crazy and i'm i'm really glad that you're caught up now so we can every time something happens we can like call each other and be like oh my god did you see that did you see what they just did (laughs) yes and i don't know maybe uh after another five seasons we might do another spoiler episode that would be cool if it keeps going that way but although they seem to be running through the major characters now so yeah and there's some been some bad um uh rumor about Norman Reedus might possibly have his own TV show to go to, which doesn't bode well for the character on this right. show. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's wrong. I'm also, I was worried for a second because when you said, oh, there's rumor that Norman Reedus might have his own, I'm like, oh, don't say spinoff. That would be bad. A Walking Dead spinoff? Like, it seems very sitcom-y. So it no, does, yeah. actually. Yeah, no, yeah. that wouldn't, I wouldn't. But you know, if, he, if he's if he got an offer to make more money someplace else, that's pretty cool. I hear the same Good thing for, for James Bond. Daniel Craig is saying that he just doesn't want to do James Bond anymore. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like, some people are saying that Americans are interpreting him incorrectly, that he's just got a very dry sense of humor, and they're, we're interpreting it as anger and stuck-upness. But apparently... Someone asked him, what do you think about doing more James Bond? And his response was along the lines of, I'd really rather slip my wrists. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't sound like sense of humor. That sounds like he's, you know, telling us something. So, yep, yep, bitter at this yeah. point. So, yeah, that's I don't a, imagine nobody, you want to do it likes, forever. Yeah, nobody likes to be typecast. And I mean, has Pierce Brosnan gone on too much after his stint as James Bond? Yeah, but I don't know that he always did all that much before his stint as James Bond. I well, mean, Remington Steele and, you know, and the, he, he yeah, what was, like the, what was the movie he did with um, Rene Russo? What was that movie? Thomas Crown Affair. That was yep. fun. I kind of liked it. 
Other than that, make sure to definitely check out pixelatedgeek.com. Uh, we also have reviews that go up all the time. We get press releases from the big guys from time to time, and so we can put them up on our site. So you can actually get some real, like, current news. BlitzCon was this week, if you're into video games and all such frou-frou. Uh, pretty much eh, whatever your geek of trade is, uh, you can find something about it on our site. We actually, this weekend, I was talking to a couple people who were thinking about doing a podcast about crafting which first sounds kind of bad, you know, it's like, ooh, is it like artsy, craftsy, and, you know, and kind of a homemaker sort of... No, it's really more about just learning how to do new techniques and everything. And then I was like, oh, what if every episode, you know, you got a, a new technique and you kind of learned how to do it on the podcast, like you just had to suss it out and everything. And we came up with the idea of podcraft for it. That is apparently <laughs> already a podcast called Podcraft. It's about crafting podcasts. So that's a little, oh, maybe a little on the note. Huh. However... However, Podcrafty is still available, so that could always be a thing. Hmm. So That's never a know. thought. I know uh, cosplayers have to cover pretty much every kind of arts and crafts you can think of can be yeah. applied to cosplay. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to have all those techniques down. So I'm happy, you know, it's a little bit more than needle and thread and glue guns these days. So lots of it, lots of stuff. But. But that was our bonus episode, and then I guess next week we get another Night Vale, so... We do, uh, yep. we will We will definitely see you guys in one week. Talk to y'all later.